got game for sale, I got game for sale, I got game for sale, I got game for sale. Gotta reach to be the one on top, no team like the one I got, you now live with the one block shot. Yo, 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 welcome back to the Game for Sale podcast. Hope y'all have an amazing weekend. We're back on the book, man. So, like I said, today's episode is for sure going to be short because it's a lot to digest. Um, if it's anything like it has been for me, it's going to be a very eye-opening book. I'm going to let you know about a lot of things that you've been dealing with in the past. You're going to probably wish you could get a rerun at some of those things, but don't worry, man. Keep on looking forward. Adjust, and life only gets better. <laughs> so, yeah, let's go, man. So, last week we went over resistance and kind of defining it. Defining resistance. This week, we're going to further define resistance and where you can see the symptoms of it. So, like, so if you're experiencing some of these things, and I'm sure we all are, we all have been in one fashion, way or another. This is, like I said, this is the book for you, man. And remember, like I said, some of this stuff can punch you right in the gut, but it's not a you thing. It's an everybody thing. Everybody does deal with these things. And uh, it's time to get started. So, yeah, so back into, like I said, if you have the book, as I was telling you guys earlier, it's a real digestible read. It's pretty much a paragraph per page and just allows you to break down and really digest and really, and even in the table of contents, you can scroll to what you want to read to the refreshing up as, as often as you want to. The audio book is the same way. The author also narrates the audio book. So pretty good experience all the way through. But uh, resistance and procrastination. So procrastination is the most common manifestation of resistance. Because it's the easiest to rationalize. We don't tell ourselves, I'm never going to write my symphony. Instead, we say, I'm going to write my symphony. I'm just going to start it tomorrow. Then he has procrastination part two. The most uh, persistent aspect of procrastination is that it can become a habit. We don't just put off our lives today. We put them off till our deathbed. Never forget, this very moment we can change our lives. There never was a moment and never will be when we are without the power to alter our destiny. This second, we can turn the tables on resistance. The sec- this second, we can sit down and do our work. Procrastination and the rationalization of, of that I will do it later. Yeah, that'll, like it's like, the book is real clear on that. You It'll become habit forming for you and you will do it for the ends of times. Like there's so many things, like I said, even with my podcast, everything I've done, I procrastinated on to some extent. Like a lot of things that you guys see me doing, I've had the idea to do, you know, years, months ahead in advance. And I'm sure it's probably the same for you guys. But like I said, just that decision, making that decision to I'm going to do this is all you have to do. Like it's it's just it's a decision, guys. It's, it's one decision. I'm going to do this. It doesn't matter what gets in my way. I'm going to drop that content. I'm going to post my podcast. I'm going to release these courses. It's just one decision, which is why it's an amazing. Um, another symptom of resistance, resistance in sex. So sometimes resistance takes the form of sex or obsess- or an obsessive preoccupation with sex. Why sex? Because sex provides an immediate and powerful gratification. When someone sleeps with us, we feel validated and approved of, even love. Resistance gets a big kick out of that. I know it has... Um, it knows it has distracted us with a cheap, easy fix and kept us from doing our work. So, of course, not all sex is a manifestation of resistance. But he said in his opinion, his experience, 
You could tell the measure of hollow. You could tell by the measureness of hollowness you feel afterwards. The more empty you feel, the more certain you are that, that uh, resistance was your true motivation, and that it was just another form of procrastination. Like I said, sex is meant to be, you know, between two loved ones. You should feel loved. You should be recharged with energy afterwards. But if you don't feel any of those things, you probably were just using it as an excuse to not do your work. Like I said, it makes you feel amazing, you know, when someone is sleeping with you. Like you said, it's an immediate gratification. But what are you procrastinating on to have that experience? That's the question you got to ask yourself. And you got to be, you got to worry, you know, be wary of that. It's, it's a very easy temptation. We've all been through that, especially my college guys listening to the podcast and ladies. Resistance and trouble. We get ourselves in troubles because it's a cheap way to get attention. Trouble is the fox form of fame. It's easier to get busted in the bedroom with the faculty chairman's wife than it is to finish that dissertation on the metaphysics of Motley in the novellas of Joseph Conrad. Yeah, this guy's an artist, artist, so he uses a lot of um, elaborate uh, metaphors and <laughs> suggestions. But um, resistance and trouble, he said a lot of people will get themselves in trouble just as another distraction mechanism to keep us from doing our work. Like I said, we get that same attention for being in trouble. Like I said, you even see nowadays, like uh, the more trouble you get in, the more news coverage you get in because, you know, media loves to spread bad things, which is, you know, which is why I don't like watching the news. But that's what the media loves to report on. Media loves to report on people in panic. They love to report on people doing stupid stuff. So a lot of so some people just like to stay in trouble because it's just a way to still be at the forefront and it's a trick. It tricks you into thinking that you're making moves, but you're really not. You're just in the news. You're not really making moves. So resistance and self-dramatization. This is a big one. So resistance and self-dramatization. Creating soap operas in our life is a system is a symptom of resistance. Why put in years of work designing a new software interface when you can just as when you can get just as much attention by bringing home a boyfriend with a prison record? Sometimes entire families participate unconsciously in a culture of self-dramatization. The kids fuel the tanks, the grown-ups arm the phasers. The whole starship lurches from one spine-tingling episode to another, and the crew knows how to keep it going. If the level of drama drops below a certain threshold, someone jumps in and empty it up. Dad gets drunk, mom gets sick. Janie shows up for church with an Oakland Raiders tattoo. It's more fun than a movie, and it works. Nobody gets a damn thing done. <laughs> Sometimes I think of Resistance as a sort of evil twin to Santa Claus who makes his rounds house to house, making sure that everyone everything is taken care of. When he comes to a house that's hooked on self-dramatization, his rooty cheeks glow, and he giddies up away behind his eight tiny reindeer. He knows there will be no work done in that house. So, yeah, if you find yourself narrating your own opera, your own self-opera, you are procrastinating on your goals and dreams. And like I said, like the reason why I'm reading this book, guys, is because I feel like it is very important for us all to be living within our purpose. And we need to recognize our own self-sabotaging habits. Like this book is an eye opener for us, man. Like imagine if everybody was doing what they were supposed to be doing, you know, like with all the with all the bad things that's going on in the world, with all the politics, with all this these gun charges, I, I really truly believe is because some people aren't living in their calling. You know, like that we have people out here, especially in, in our communities that have passions and have gifts for certain things. We have people out here in our communities that that know that they're supposed to be helping with um 
that know that they're supposed to be helping with racial inequality, that know they're supposed to be helping with certain policies getting into place, that know that they have a job to do, but they're not doing it. And it's because of self-sabotaging behaviors, because of resistance. And like you said, like I said, guys, you're not alone in this. Like this is something that you want to talk to other people about. This is something that you want to build accountability partners around. Something you want to read books about. Just get into your purpose, man. I promise a better life is on that side. Resistance and self-medication. Oh, yeah, this is another huge one, man. For my weed smokers out there, like I said, I like to smoke a little bit. So it's this This is what it has to say about that. <laughs> Do you regularly ingest any substance, controlled or otherwise, who, whose aim is to alleviate depression, anxiety, etc.? I offer the following experience. I once worked as a writer for a big New York ad agency. Our boss used to tell us, Invent a disease. Come up with a disease, he said, and we can sell the cure. Attention deficit disorder, seasonal effect disorder, social anxiety disorder. These aren't diseases. They're marketing ploys. Doctors didn't discover them. Copywriters did. Marketing departments did. Drug companies did. Depression depression and anxiety may be real, but they can also be resistance. When we drug ourselves to blot out our soul's call, we are being good Americans and and great consumers. We're doing exactly what TV commercials and pop-up materialist culture have been brainwashing us to do from the birth. Instead of applying self-knowledge, self-discipline, delayed gratification, and hard work, we simply consume a product. So like I said, in my community, man, it's definitely weed. Weed has a way of um, clearing up condemnation. It has a way of distracting you from what's currently going on, which is why we're not a lot of us that get in the habit of it. When the high wears off, you roll another one up and hit it again. Please, please, please be careful of that. Like, be careful of what you're trying to push off. Be careful of what you're trying to get a hold on. It's always better to confront that and just confront it. You know, go ahead and knock it out the park. Like, be careful of using weed and self-medication and you know whether no matter what it is Adderall whatever we like to take to kind of help soothe the pain understand that soothing the pain doesn't make it go away and essentially like you need to do your work like you have a calling you have a higher purpose in life God has plans for you you can't do them high um the wake and bake thing like I said I've tried it I've done all these things man like I can 100% tell you that I'm far more productive when I don't wake up and smoke. Like smoking should be a thing that you do in your off time, a thing that you, you know, have fun on the weekends, on vacation. Like I'm not saying not to smoke. I'm just saying make sure that you're in control of all of your emotions. Make sure that you have a really, really big understanding of what it is in your purpose. And and if basically if the job isn't done for the day, if you haven't dedicated that four hours to your calling, don't pick up the blunt. You don't deserve it. Put it down. It's just simply what it is. Like, you don't deserve it. We don't deserve it until you're doing what you said you're going to do. So, yeah, man, self-medication. Watch out for that. Resistance and victimhood. Another huge one, man. So <laughs> doctors estimate that 70 to 80 percent of their business is non-health related. People aren't sick. They're self-dramatizing. Sometimes the hardest part of a medical job is keeping a straight fate. Straight face. As Jay Seinfeld observed of his 20 years of dating, that's a lot of acting fascinated. The acquisition of condition lends significance to one's existence. An illness, a cross to bear. Some people go from 
condition to condition. They cure one and another pops up to take its place. The condition becomes a work of art in itself, a shadow version of the real creative act the victim is avoiding by expending so much care cultivating his condition. A victim act is a form of passive aggression. It seeks to achieve gratification not by honest work or a contribution made out of one's experience or insider love, but by the manipulation of others through silence and not so silent threat. The victim compels others to, comp- to come to his rescue or to behave as he wishes by holding them hostage to the prospect of his own further illness, meltdown, mental dissolution, or simply by threatening to make their lives so miserable that they do what he wants. Casting yourself as a victim is the antithesis of doing your work. Don't do it. If you're doing it, stop. Resistance of victim. I feel like we've all had experience with this. Like we all have that ex-girlfriend or ex or ex-boyfriend that's used them something happening to them, or maybe even us doing them wrong as a way to manipulate and get what they want. Guys, please be careful of this. Stay away from anybody that's doing this to you. But um understand that victimhood is also if you're if you're the person that's playing the victim, you're probably just resisting your internal calling and you're using that this 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 thing that everybody else is doing to you. As an excuse not to do your damn work, cut it out, man. You ain't do nothing but hurting those around you, hurting your loved ones. If you if you choose to forgive somebody, forgive them every day. Don't continue to bring it up. Like if you if it's, if you have already dropped it, if you've already talked it out, like that's the end of it, man. Like it's it's what it is, guys. We can't continue to play the victim. We're hurting ourselves. We're not working in our own calling. And we're not getting any work done and we're manipulating those around us. You're just going to lose a bunch of friends, man. Nobody likes the victim, man. If you've you've been through some stuff we all have, seek therapy, talk it out. Please read books. It's, it's, this is my therapy. But um, be careful of that, guys. Like, it's, it's okay to heal. It's okay to forgive. It's okay to move on. You don't have to continue to let things that happened to you in your past continue to happen to you. So... Don't play the victim. You're just hurting everybody else around you. You're not doing your work. Resistance and the choice of a mate. Sometimes if we're not conscious of our own resistance, we'll pick up, we'll, we'll pick as a mate someone who has or is successfully overcoming resistance. I'm not sure why. Maybe it's easier to endow a partner with the power that we in fact possess but are afraid to act upon. Maybe it's less threatening to believe that our beloved spouse is worthy to live out his or her unlived life while we are not. Or maybe we're hoping to use our mate as a model. Maybe we'll believe or wish we could that some of our spouse's power rub off on us if we just hang around it long enough. This is how, res- this is how resistance disfigures love. The, the stew it creates is rich. It's colorful. Tennessee Williams could work it up into a trilogy. But is it love? If we're the supporting partner, shouldn't we face our own failure to pursue our unlived life rather than hitchhike on our spouse? rather than hitchhike on our spouse's co- uh, coattails. And if we're the supported partner, shouldn't we step out from the glow of hit of our loved one's adoration and instead encourage him to let his own light shine? So, yeah, don't use your partner's success as, as an excuse not to do what God put on your life. So just because your partner's successful don't mean that your work is done. Just because that your boyfriend or girlfriend is really killing shit doesn't mean that you don't have to resistance and the choice of the mate like you haven't accomplished it just because your partner has and it's you know it's a harsh thing to say but we all have a calling god has a purpose for each and every one of us and your purpose doesn't disappear to satisfy your partners like nah that's not what it is man my worth is steady climbing up 
in the um as a nurse as an RN, she's got another promotion, man. Congrats to Kayla. That's the boot thing, man. She's doing her thing. I gotta keep on grinding too. Like that's a we we all talk about this power couple things, but that's what it looks like, man. Like just because one person is really killing shit, don't mean you could take off the brakes, man. It actually should give you more motivation to do so. Less stress for sure. Like it's it's good that she makes the money that she makes because of the, of the months that I don't make what I need to make, it still balances out. But when we both killing shit, we are for sure happy. So yeah, man. The choice of a mate, man. Don't use your partner's success as an excuse not to do your damn work. I love this one. Resistance in this book. This is for all my writers, man, and creators. Like I do what he's about to explain. I <laughs> I do this shit all of the time. <laughs> <laughs> when I began this book, resistance almost beat me. This is the form it took. It told me, the voice in my head, that I was a writer of fiction, not nonfiction, and that I shouldn't be exposing these concepts, these concepts of resistance literally and overtly. Rather, I should incorporate them metaphorically into a novel. That's a pretty damn subtle and convincing argument. The rationalization resistance presented me with was that I should write, say, a war piece in which the principles of resistance were expressed as the fear a warrior feels. Resistance also told me I shouldn't seek to instruct or put myself forward as a purveyor of wisdom, that this was vain, egotistical, possibly even corrupt, and that it would work harm to me in the end. That scared me. It made a lot of sense. It made a lot of sense. It's crazy. What finally convinced me to go ahead was simply that I was so unhappy not going ahead, I was developing symptoms. As soon as I sat down and began, I was okay. Yo, how many of you, like I said, I will tell you, this is something that I deal with, (laughs) are able to, especially creators, man, are able to take their work and just consistently put what they want outside of their arm's reach. You know, something that, I, that, I, that I've done so many times in the past where, like, say I'm working on a video project. Like, oh, man, I can't do this project. I need this gimbal or I need this car rig or I need this particular equipment that I don't own. Completely looking past all the stuff that I do own. Or, or I can't work with this artist because it's not the type of music I like to make. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can't do this because of this. I can't do this because of that. Because it's not perfectly how it is in your head. Guys, like, understand what's happening to you. Understand that that procrastination and that level of care about your music, for one, you're not a professional about your music. I'm going to that into the next step. But for two, like, you're, it's just procrastination, guys. It's just another form. It's it's another way that resistance is manifesting itself into your life to keep you from putting out your art. And um, writers, like, like I said, he's a writer. I think writers, we deal with this a lot. Like, creators, we deal with this a lot. Like, Man, this 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 is one of the ones like you just don't don't do it, guys. Like this is a be very very mindful of what's happening to you. Be very mindful of your own rationalizations about your work hindering your success, man. So there's a door open for you, and it's not the way that it looked. It's probably because God's plans are better than yours. Like a lot of times when we try to structure out and plan our own life, it sucks, man, because we're not the orchestrators. We're not the painters. We're not the creators, man. The, the gift is the gift comes from above. So when things present themselves to you, and it's not the way that you thought it should look. It's probably your best benefit to go pursue that and figure out what's going on. But um, let me see. We're almost done, man. Coming up on this 20 minute, 20 minute mark. But resistance and unhappiness. 
What does resistance feel like? First, unhappiness. We feel like hell. A low-grade misery pervades everything. We're um, we're bored. We're restless. We can't get no satisfaction. There's a guilt, but we can't pull our finger on the source. We want to get. We want to go back to bed. We want to get up and party. We feel unloved and unlovable. We're disgusted. We hate our lives. We hate ourselves. Unalleviated resistance mounts to pitch the. Resistance mounts to to a pitch that becomes unendurable. At this point, vice kicks in. Dope, adultery, web surfing. Beyond that, resistance becomes clinical. Depression, aggression, dysfunction. Then actual crime and physical destruction. Sounds like life, I know. It isn't. It's resistance. What makes it tricky is that we live in a consumer culture that's actually aware of this unhappiness and has masked all its profit-seeking artillery to exploit it by selling us a product, a drug, a distraction. John Lennon once wrote, well, you think you're so clever and classless and free, but you're all fucking peasants as far as I can see. It's hilarious. (laughs) Um, As artists and professionals, it is our obligation to enact our own internal revolution, a private insurrection inside our own skulls. In this uprising, we free ourselves from the tyranny of consumer culture. We overthrow the programming of advertising, movies, video games, magazines, TV, and MTV, by which we have hypnotized from the cradle. We unplug ourselves from the grid by recognizing that we will never cure our restlessness by contributing our disposable income to the bottom line of bullshit, Inc., but only by doing our work. Man. So, yeah, man, I think I'm going to actually stop it right here. Like I said, guys, I'm pretty much reading this book to you because this is a book that everybody needs to read. <laughs> that everybody I'm talking about, everybody, man. And I'm just I'm thankful that my brother showed it to me, that God revealed it to him. I'm thankful that I'm able to go over this on the podcast. I reached out to the author. I let him know I was going to be doing this. So it's just, you know, I'm pretty sure he doesn't mind some, you know, more book sales for him. But um guys, man, let's let's get a hold on ourselves, man. We're self-sabotaging. It's time to grow up out of that shit. Like, it's time to really kill it. I need you all in your purpose. I need me and my purpose. We need to hold each other accountable. Like, it's time to go. The world will be such a better place if we all could just wake up and make that decision that I'm going to do my work no matter who says it. And don't confuse your job with your work. If your job, if your job is also your calling, <laughs> you're winning. You know what I'm saying? But a lot of us, we don't we don't have that luxury, man. So getting your purpose, getting your bag. Let's get it. This is the OBS podcast, man. I'll see y'all again probably tomorrow. Peace.